0: They have forgotten
1: God, fornication and a sickness that was not visible like smallpox, but no less dangerous and contagious, a sickness of the mind. You see, Ralph was a homosexual. Throughout my childhood, I was raised Mormon. I remember that it was my mom, not my dad, that really encouraged me to practice the religion, She taught me how to pray, she taught me all of the teachings. She always seemed to me a strong example of what Mormon women strive to be. Knowing that her parents weren't Mormon, I always wondered how she became one in the first place and was such a strong testimony for the church. I wanted to know the turn of events that brought her and her family into the religion. Story of Sandra Marie, Episode 2, Carhop in California.
0: My mother was baptized when she was a kid, but never went to church. Neither did her parents. My dad became Mormon, or LDS, because he and his brother, when they were 10, 11, or 12, they lived in Sugar City, Idaho. And there, he he wanted to be in the Scouts. But the only way you could be in the Scouts in that little tiny town was to be LDS. So they were a family of Catholics, but inactive Catholics. But he and his older brother joined the church so they could go through scouting. And as soon as he got through scouting, he didn't want anything to do with the church. And he never went back to church after that. And he started smoking cigarettes at age 13 and... Uh, my dad smoked about two to three packs a, a day from 13 till he was in his 50s, and that he had a heart attack, and that's when he had to stop smoking. But that was one of my favorite memories about my father, is every now and then he'd try to stop smoking. And when he tried to stop smoking, he would go to a pipe, and he'd smoke this pipe with this really sweet cherry smell, and I loved the smell of that pipe. And... Um, He'd do that for a couple of weeks, and then he back on the cigarettes. He could never stop. Uh, it was called Mutual back then. And I was around, t- when you turn 12, you go in, back then it was Mutual. I think now they call it Young Men and Young Women. And uh, I don't know if they do it now, because I'm totally out of it, but I was very, very good at sports, because I was a tomboy, and that's what I did. I, play- I shot hoops and everything uh, whenever I could, and so they played girls' basketball team, a volleyball team, and softball. And I wanted to be on those teams, and I was invited to come on those teams because, consequently, we won a lot because I was very good at it. And uh, one of the rules was I had to go to church on Sunday to be on the team, and I wanted to go to girls' camp, I had to go to church on Sunday to be on the team. And so that's when I started to really go to church. My parents were inactive. My mother wanted me to go to church, but Dad, my dad said he was never going to go. And so when we were baptized, I, I knew nothing about being baptized, but we were sent to church. And some strange person baptized me and confirmed me. My parent, my dad wasn't there. I My mom probably was, but I'm not sure. But it, it didn't really mean anything to me back then. I didn't learn about it. I hadn't been going to Sunday school or primary or any of that. But at 12, they came after me. You know, They wanted to activate the inactive kids. And I still hadn't had a friend. I wasn't, didn't have a friend. And so it was very easy. All of a sudden, these girls would invite me to church. And I thought it was because they were wanting me to be their friend. But they would invite me to church, and I'd go to church. And they were just church friends, so to speak. They didn't want to come to my house. Years, years later in one of the stories when I went, I did the Miss Bonneville pageant is when I discovered why. And then things started to, to make me realize they didn't really want to be my friend. They were being told by the teachers to invite me to church so I could come to church and become active. But my father smoked in the home. I smelled like cigarette smoke, but I didn't know it because that was my reality. I, I had no idea I smelled like cigarette smoke. Well, smelling like cigarette smoke and being LDS is not a good thing. You know, no wonder the kids didn't like me. No wonder their parents probably didn't even let them come to my house to play. But I didn't know that. I took it all personal. Nobody likes me. But it was probably the cigarette smoke is why nobody liked me. I was also 12, and it was my first year of going to girls camp. And when you went to girls camp, they told you to um, bring the big 10 gallon kind of cans. And all the other LDS girls brought these 10 gallon cans of peas or corn, you know, and you could see it on the package. Well, my parents drank coffee. And the only can I had was a Hills Brothers coffee can. It's a big 10 gallon one. And you have to bring it with the The lid off and you turn it over and you build a little fire underneath and that's how you cook and then you also carry your water with it and so the one night uh, we were all putting our cans on the fire and stuff like that and uh, this male leader they always have to have the priesthood you have girl women leaders for the women who you actually do all your things with but there's always priesthood in the camp to make you you have to have priesthood protecting the women whatever but he came over and he saw that Hills Brothers coffee can, and he goes, "Who brought that can here?" You know, and I said, "I did." So why would you bring such a disgusting can to, to, to this activity? And I said, "Well, we were told to bring a can to carry water." I still was dumb with not thinking, answering him, and and he goes, "Drinking coffee is a sin in our church, and you shouldn't be bringing that. Don't don't you ever bring another can like that to church again, to this activity again," and. It really embarrassed me, but it also hurt me. You know, I thought, "I can? I'm just a kid. My parents smoke, and dr- my mother didn't smoke. My dad smokes, and my- they both drink coffee, and that's a sin, and so you're getting angry at me. My mom wanted us to go to seminary, learn about church, because she wasn't taking us to church, but she wanted us to go to church. But she had decided early on that because my dad didn't want anything to do with the church that she was going to support him and she wasn't going to press it. But they had a couple of talks once in a while that she hoped that someday they could get married in the temple, but that wasn't going to happen. And so she insisted that we go to seminary and later on she insisted that I go to BYU and not ISU. I wanted to go to ISU, they had a better theater program, but it was not a church school. When you're a mother of daughters, you want them to have some good teaching there so they don't get pregnant or something, you know. I'm sure that was in her mind. I knew nothing about sex. I mean, television back then was hardly anything. It was very censored anyway. But from the age of six, I knew... I was attracted to girls, I liked girls. The guys were my friends, I wanted them to be my friends, not, I didn't have a crush on some little boy or something like most little girls do. So I know at age six, I knew that I was different, but I didn't have a name for it. I lived in this small, sheltered community with hardly no TV, I, I didn't know the word lesbian, I didn't know the word gay back then. I just knew I liked girls and I wanted to be a boy because I wanted to be with a girl. And um, when I was a freshman, I was sitting on my mom's couch and uh, I was reading the newspaper and I saw this little tiny clip about sex change in uh, some big city in New York City, I think it was. And I clipped it out and in my, I want to say arrogant little way, went to my seminary teacher. I started taking seminary in the ninth grade, and showed him the clip and said, Is that true? Can people really do this? And he asked me why. He was shocked. He said, Why why are you asking me this? And I said, Well, I have a girlfriend, and I want to marry her when I'm 21. I'm going to go have this sex change. So if it's true, I'm going to go have a sex change so I can marry her. And that just freaked him out. He was just beside himself. and So that started a lot of weekly meetings with him. Every meeting I had to go talk to him and see how he was doing, even though he wasn't my teacher, because every year you had a different teacher teach you a different subject about the gospel. But he always watched, he always made sure he said hello to me as I went through the years. And my senior year, we had another meeting, and he told me that I should go to BYU and possibly take the psychological treatment of healing homosexuality. He planted the seed that I needed to go do that.
1: It's the tail end of the 60s. Culture is on fire. Seems like there's a new music act every day. The Doors, Pink Floyd, Elvis Presley gets married. The first acid tests are being conducted. The country mourns the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., and we land on the moon. Suburbs are sprouting up as quick as highways, and burger joints are all the craze. And although drive throughs are growing in popularity, car hops are still very common. Cute girls dropping your greasy meal right at your car window.
0: At 15 because my parents managed the ANW, I, I got to work there, and I was a car hop. And another, there was another girl there, and she was car hop, and she was so funny, and we became friends, and and that was my first love, and my first heartbreak, and I can look back on it and still be very upsetting, you know, it's it's just, it's just, everybody has a first love, whether you're heterosexual or homosexual, and it's all the same. but. Uh, I was a car hop, and she was a car hop, and uh, we when we were on the same shift, not every day we, we would we be on the same shift, but we'd always have a great time. And she was so funny. She was she told jokes all the time, and she had lots of them. And she was just very, very funny girl to be around. And so then she invited me over to her house one time, and we would just started to become friends. and she didn't judge me. And the more I got to know her, the, then I told her that I wanted to be a boy, and she wasn't weirded out by that. And we just had a really great time. She was Mormon, but she was also inactive. Her mother was inactive, too. And she had had boyfriends, and she had, when I met her, she had just broken up with a boyfriend. And so she, she knew about sex. I really didn't. I was very innocent, which was really weird, but I was very innocent 15-year-old. Uh, my mother and father never talked about sex, even with a maturation program at school. She, my mother knew what was going on. She, when I got home, she said, how did the, the thing go? She said, fine. She said, come in here, here's the pads. And that was the end of the discussion. And so I didn't know. But this girl did know, and she, uh, she taught me. And then probably two or three months of being friends, one day she kissed me. Uh, oh wow you know this is wonderful and so she was my first kiss and um, then we got intimate and we kept sleeping over and she we'd also write love notes to each other We'd love letters and we'd mail love letters I'd write her a love letter every day and she'd write a love, love letter to me every day and her love letters were so full of funny endearing little stories and it, it was just such an exciting time for me and this is also not only was she my first girlfriend but she was really my first friend you know it was like amazing. We go to movies would would have fun. We'd ride around the countryside. I had a little Honda 90. That's how I'd get to work and stuff. And I, you know, I thought I was so macho and, and I, I had a jacket, a kind of like a black jacket and I was big boobs. So I had to kind of hide my boobs, but I'd bend over so I could suck in my boobs a little bit and ride the motorcycle. Like I looked like a guy and I had really short hair. And so, but anyway, we'd go for rides on a motorcycle. and It was great. And I just fell in love with her and I knew I wanted to marry her when I I could. I mean, it wasn't in my brain, oh, I could just live with her this way, you know. So I didn't really know about homosexuality. I just knew I wanted to be with her and everything around me in my life was the way you're with a woman is to be a guy, you know. So, so when I saw that clip, I thought, yeah, this can really work, it's going to work, I'm going to be with her. It's really funny that Idaho Falls, outside of Idaho Falls in the desert, was a naval underground nuclear submarine station where they did tests and built submarines. I don't know what they did, it was top secret, but it was a navy town. Here you are in the middle of a high desert in Idaho and it's a navy town. Tons of sailors all the time. And the sailors would come in and eat at the A&W. And so she met this guy who was a sailor and who was, you know, like five or six years older than her, and they started to date, and I I said, I don't want you to date him, I want to marry you when I get to be 21, and she said, we're just friends, we're just friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And she, he proposed to her, and when she graduated from high school they got married, And she couldn't break up with me in person so she broke up with me over the phone and I was begging her not to do this and and she said someday you'll understand Sandy, someday you'll understand and I've never quite understood exactly what she meant I'd like to look her up and ask her you know was she un- making I understand that someday I'll outgrow this and marry a man and have a family or what but it, it broke my heart and I cried every night for probably three months, but I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't tell my parents. I couldn't, I didn't tell anybody because by then I knew that it wasn't kosher. It wasn't good. Something was wrong with me and that I'd get in trouble. And so I didn't tell anybody. And maybe that, maybe that was four whole years. If that would have kept on going, maybe then I would have realized Oh, I'm a lesbian. Is that what it's called? I can't remember when I heard the, that word. And at first, it seemed a really odd word. You know, lesbian, what does that mean? You know, but to me, that means you can be with who, who you want to and be in love. You don't have to be a man and a woman. I don't have to change my sex to be with the person I love. I used to go skiing. My grandpa was the caretaker of a little tiny ski hill. And because of that, I could have free skiing. And I would go up there, and my parents would visit my grandparents, and they'd be in the little house and look out over the ski hill so they could sort of keep an eye on me, but not really. And, you know, in ski clothes, you got a ski jacket, and you're wearing a hat, and I had really short hair, and this girl came up to me, and and she was flirting with me. And I flirted back, and we exchanged numbers. And when I got home, I'd call her, and I'd go see her. In the summer, I went and saw her on my motorcycle. She thought I was a boy until one day, and I didn't know where this was going to go. I'm just being so stupid. I mean, someday she's going to know I'm not a boy. But I was kind of trying to date her, sort of. And then one day, she decided to call me. And I even went by Sandy. You know, I said, some, there are some guys that were named Sandy. Well, it was my name, and they asked if Sandy was there, and my sister said, no, she's gone. <laughs> so the next time I went by her house, she goes, she told me what she did, and she says, you're not a boy. Why are you doing this? And I said, oh, I'm sorry, never bother you again, <laughs> and drove off. Well, that was kind of a funny story, but nothing ever happened of it. But I was definitely wanting to be a boy and be in relationships with women.
1: After her heartbreak over Carhop, my mom still wanted to be with girls. She continued to be involved with the church and would love going to girls' camp. It was at girls' camp that she met her second girlfriend. They called her California because that's where she was from. They would have a long lasting romance with many twists and turns.
0: My mother wanted me to go to BYU. I wanted to go to ISU, but she wanted me to go to BYU because my older sister was there. She could keep an eye on me, and it's a church school. So I went to BYU. I loved my first semester. Second semester, I couldn't get any class I wanted, none of the classes, and so I just took a bunch of stupid classes I didn't like. and I lasted about a week, and. I called my parents and said, I just, I want to come home. I, I'm wasting my money. This isn't working. And so went back and got a job and bought a car and was enjoying life. And the summer, I I had already met California. She I met her at camp. Several years she would come. We'd go to camp, and she was in a different ward, but we'd do things together. And she'd go back home. And But then she came to Rick's, and so then she was around all the time. And that's when we got involved. Then she quit Rick's, and we both got a job at French's Potato Factory, and we sorted potatoes all night long. We worked the midnight shift, and she was having troubles at home with her grandmother, so she, I talked my parents into letting her live with us, and so she just shared my bedroom down in the basement, and that wasn't going very well. She wasn't comfortable with that. She always just wanted to stay in the bedroom, and my parents didn't like that idea you know she, she just wasn't very social she didn't want to do that so I moved out and we got an apartment together and kept working for French's the whole whole winter long and the potato business potatoes aren't so great in the summer so they and eventually they close it and they put you on unemployment for the summer and then in September it starts all over again so in the summer we were off but we were living together but she was feeling very very guilty of what we were doing and she would always go to this bishop. And I got involved with the, the having to go to the bishop and say, oh, yeah, we kissed, and, or this or that. And so he at first he said, just don't sleep in the same bed. You sleep in one bed, and one of you sleep on the couch. And just try to be friends. Well, that worked sometimes. And then if we had a slip-up, we'd end up in the bishop's office again. And then the movie came out of the way we were. And that was, we went to the movie, and that was such a romantic, wonderful movie. I don't know why, but it just. It, we came home, and we ended up being intimate again, and we went to the bishop, and he said, that's it. No more of that. You're going to break up. And the first time I went to BYU, I didn't follow what my seminary teacher told me to do. I didn't go look up the therapy. I didn't think I needed it. But then after I got involved with California... And I was in the bishop's office so often in trying to stop this, he knew about the program. And he got me the phone number and he said, you need to go back to BYU and you need to take this program. And so I did all this without my parents knowing. And um, I quit my job and I went back to BYU and I called the number. And when I called, that lady then answer the phone. She said, "I will have someone call you back." And a couple days later, a nice guy called me back, and he said, "Well, I want to have a beginning meeting with you, Decide whether or not I'm going to treat you or not." And we met, and then we decided to go do the treating of curing me of homosexuality.
1: Sandra Marie. My mom tells me all about her nightmarish journey through the LDS conversion therapy for homosexuals. And I learn more about the long history of intolerance from the leaders of the Mormon church. We talk about her college years at BYU and the events that would lead up to her eventually meeting my father. Tune in next week for episode three.